0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 2023 season of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. And to kick off this new year and new season, I'm starting with a very special two part episode. This two part episode is really an audience takeover. I thought, in light of the milestone year that Carry On Friends will be celebrating. Um, As a brand, not just a podcast, but Carry On Friends at its inception is celebrating 10 years this year. And so to kick off the year, I thought it would be great to have an audience takeover. And for that, I invited Kimoy, who is an active, engaged listener and member of the community, to come on the podcast and interview me and me switching roles for the time being. Right. So let me tell you a little bit about Kimoy. So, professionally, Kimoy is a consultant. She's had experience working in e commerce businesses with big retailers, Macy's, Sephora, et cetera. And she is well versed in the area of growing brands using customer centric strategy. And she's now taking that experience to leverage economic growth in Caribbean and African communities. So she's taking what she's learned in major corporations and applying it to our communities. And so I'm excited for you to listen in on this conversation with Kemoy and myself. And at the end, I'll be sure to share with you how you can connect with Kemoy and obviously always how to connect with me. So tune in to part one of our two-part series, Listener Takeover, with Kimoy.
1: Okay, hi, carrie Ann.
0: Hi, Kamoy. <laughs> We're full of Ks today.
1: Yes. So thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to connect with you in this way. I... I'm I'm here to say it. I am one of your biggest fans. I know you have many and plenty, but I am one of your biggest fans. So having this honor to actually be in reverse, to ask you all the burning questions that has been on my mind as someone who has been actively listening and engaging with everything that you do, whether it be your content, your podcast, your social media in-person, your merch, like everything that you do with regarding the Carry On Friends, Breadfruit Media, and even I listen to your other podcasts too as well. So everything that you do in serving the Caribbean community, you are truly inspirational to me and many persons who don't even realize that they need the inspiration. And those of us who know how important it is to have people like you producing, directing, inspiring, discovering, interviewing, and just connecting in this way, and not being afraid, and not letting any setback hold you back, and you just keep going. It's really inspiring. So I just wanted to make sure that I let you know that because I discovered you at a time where almost gave up on this. I I was like, I didn't even think it was possible. And I think I Googled and I believe I'm almost positive. That's how I found you is that I Googled like Caribbean American something. And that's how I discovered your podcast. And when I discovered the podcast, I'm like, Oh my God, this is a sign. So (laughs) I just wanted to just say that and just put that out there because this this your platform and everything that you do is so needed and it's adding so much value to the culture. And I and many other persons, as they continue to discover these platforms that you have, is only going to continue to get bigger. And this is definitely a part of your legacy and you're going to be definitely one of the heroes in the Caribbean American community who's definitely contributing to the culture in many different ways. So with that,
0: thank you for that. I mean, I'm touched and it's why I do the work that I do. It's less about me and more about the community because I've been where you are about to give up and was looking for something and didn't quite find it. So thank you so much for your kind words. Thank you. And I'm excited to have you.
1: So with that said, sorry, I just had to say that to you because I always believe in giving people their flowers when they're here and able to receive. Thank so you. the first question I would love to ask you is what do you, what keeps you going and what's the legacy that you want to leave with carry on friends and breadfruit media? Like what are the, the, I would say that maybe the top three things that when someone looks at you, maybe looks at Carrie Ann Reed Brown and they see your name and maybe a hundred years from now, what do you want people to know you for and the, and the, the legacy that you want to leave that people are going to know you for in the future.
0: All right. So I'll tackle the first part. Cause I thought about it. Cause I listened to a podcast the other day. What keeps me going? I honestly, it, it has to be God because there are moments where I'm just like, okay, is it time to hang up and just like wrap this up? it's going on 10 years. Is it time to walk away? And I remember the first time I asked that question, my friends were just like, you are speaking blasphemy at the time. But I'm like, at some point we have to evaluate. And I'm ready to walk away. And then um, people come and give me exactly what I need. And it's, it's not anyone who I expect who would come and give me exactly what I need to give me that little piece of information or resource to, to address whatever friction I was experiencing and saying, you know what, maybe this is a sign that I should hang up. Um, in terms of legacy, I've realized how much, I know it's a buzzword, but identity is just so important, right? And one of the things that I have to deal with being born in Jamaica and now living in the U.S. longer than I've lived in Jamaica is that connection to the home country. Right. And what that means for my kids, my grandkids, my great grandkids and having a new form of storytelling. You know, cause we grew up in a culture where grandmothers told story. And so we're kind of that part, the oral tradition in that way is different. And so the podcast, I now look at it like a new oral tradition. So the next generation can have something to go after. And my only regret is not recording my grandmother, or my grandparents before they passed because they, they had just so much knowledge. And so I'm hoping that my legacy is helping other people move through the different stages of their identity as you naturally go from single, married, to mother, auntie, all these things, and have the podcast or whatever projects I do to help you navigate that, to, to get an insight as to what we were doing in 2015, 2019, 2020, how we were navigating that, because that's going to be so important. Um And so it's just a resource or a reference and I want my kids, when they're ready or at that age to understand, to come back to this. And it's like, oh, this is what mommy was talking about, you know, because they don't get it now, but at some point they will. And I want them to, at a minimum, just have this to say, okay. And I guess selfishly, having gone through the loss of a parent recently, grandparents, I wish there were ways that I could connect with them and audio you know, in this way is something like my kids could use when I'm no longer here. And they're like, oh, here's mommy's voice. Um, I've had postcards when my grandmother did that, but th- there's something with the voice comes through. You're like, oh yeah, mommy's still here and she's talking, that type of thing.
1: And you mentioned that your kids may not get it right now. Why do you think that is? Because that's something that I think that's important with someone who's like me, first generation, born in a Caribbean household, but I was born in the U.S. And then now I have nieces and nephews who are now second generation. What do you think is the disconnect?
0: I mean, I've thought about this question a lot and it's important to know that things change, right? And they're so different. There's this idea of nostalgia that we love, but we're not applying the things that we love about those nostalgic experiences into the moments of today. And it's much harder. Right. So um, the other day I was talking to a friend and I was actually talking to my sister-in-law and I'm like, what's different with my kids. Right. I grew up in a house full of cousins. When I lived in Jamaica, you walk out the street, auntie and cousins live across the street. They live next door. You go down the road, uh, uh, next set live there. And even when I came to this country, There was a house where a whole bunch of us lived in the house. And when, when it was Friday and everybody came over, we were all sleeping on the floor, like five, six, seven of us. My kids don't have that because by now everyone is spread out even more. They've moved further away. So when, when this happens, it's just really harder for them to keep connected to culture in the same way. It's just, it's just different. And so it takes them a longer time to, I mean cuz when you were growing up you you know it's like yeah my parents are Jamaican I'm Jamaican or kids they're just like yeah I'm Jamaican but it or or I'm Caribbean American but it means it doesn't take the same meaning until they're older and my daughter is a perfect example right she loved going to Jamaica when we were going to Jamaica she knew all the songs and there was a period of high school where it was just like yeah I guess they're Jamaican all right whatever and as she's older you know a young adult she's just like mommy how come you, you know, she so start asking these questions as now the, the identity moving through the different stages of life, you're now trying to reconcile all these pieces. And so the podcast helps that because we have discussions around how we're navigating or connection in our relationship with culture as we move through our different stages in life. So, for instance, I call it, you know you know, my breakout period has been passed and gone. Right. So I'm navigating through a new experience. What does dance all, what does reggae look like to me? Because can't dash out and broke out, like I used to, right. You know, I don't go to dance our parties like that. So every one of us are going through a period of life and at the podcast and the different guests and different ages, they have conversations as it relates to where they are in life and that relationship with culture.
1: And thus far, because you mentioned that you started this 10 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Congratulations. I started the blog 10 10 years years ago. ago. Thank you. And what would you say thus far in creating this platform in the many different forms? What has been your greatest accomplishment thus far?
0: I think the greatest accomplishment is connecting with audience members like you, Kimoy. I mean... What happens is I didn't do this. And I know that you know me personally, you know, I'm not really on social media, but when I do get to connect with people in person, that's what I enjoy. And that is the greatest accomplishment. The people that I meet, this is a community of friends and it's just so invaluable. The many people I've met who are now, you know, I'm in community with and, and that is the accomplishment. I I can't think of anything else that trumps that.
1: And going forward in building community, what's something that you, in the 10 years that you started this journey, what are some things that you still would love to accomplish to see this platform grow even more?
0: Wow. Wow. That's a good question, a question that I fortunately had to be thinking about in the last couple of months because of a program that I was in. but it's growth honestly in any enterprise, it's growth. How do you reach more people, and how do you extend your capabilities to build a bigger team to do more of what you know you can do is just that you lack the capacity to do that so um reaching more of who needs to hear about the platform so we can also get more people to to come on the platform and tell their stories. And so growth and reaching more of the audience. And it's always about creating content. I think there's so many stories to tell. I can't pack them all in Carry On Friends, which is why Breadfruit Media exists. And it's telling more of our stories because um, I was just talking about it the other day, like I love Desmond's. It it was this old school British UK sitcom. It's about a Guyanese man. He owns a barbershop and everybody comes into the barbershop and Popeye and the African guy and all of them, you know, they come into the shop, right? So it's not only Caribbean people. And I keep thinking, we have more stories like that to tell. Why aren't more of those stories visible, available, um, beyond the tropes, right? Beyond the stereotypes. And I want to be able to tell a lot more stories, stories that my kids can, you know, resonate with. Um, so I feel that like there's more to do, there's more content to create, and there's just more fun to be had and all of that, you know. Yeah, growth. Growth and reaching more people and creating more content.
1: And in terms of challenges, what do you feel is the most challenging experience that you had thus far in growing your platform? Um,
0: the challenge is also a strength, and i'm I'm only saying this because this is the feedback I've gotten over and over again um, The challenge is everyone says funding, but funding is a big thing um, The challenge is whenever I say Caribbean or whenever you say Caribbean, people automatically think that geographic region between North and South America, right? Mm -hmm. When we say Caribbean, we know it's global. Right. And when I lead with that, or I say Caribbean American, maybe if you, if I'm speaking to someone in the Northeast, they'll get it. Cause we're, we're, we have such a, um, immersive and we we have such a strong influence on culture but everywhere else i remember getting the feedback where you know um caribbean american isn't innovative enough right Mm -hmm. um so it is that that is the that is the challenge because at the end of the day people are investing to make money or to get a return on their investment and they just don't see it right and there's going to be a lot of no's. And that has been the challenge. And the challenge for me is to not take those no's as personally. Um, But it's hard because they're in a way re- rejecting my identity, which is Caribbean American isn't bankable. You can't make money off of it. And that hurts. But at the same time, I understand, OK, this is your business opinion and I just got to move on. So that's the hardest part of growing that it's resources and you're just going to keep bootstrapping and, you know, just keep moving. And, um, it's not always going to be easy bootstrapping and you're going to get a lot of no's. That's the most challenging part of it.
1: And do you think the challenge with what you just mentioned, do you find that you get more resistance from persons in the community who are able to invest versus outside of the community? Or it's both. It's both. And do you find that we don't invest in ourselves as a community as much as we should?
0: So there is a episode that we did on Caribbean films, and yes, I heard um, that
1: one. The guy right. from Trinidad, he was he was a director
0: no, not that one, but that's a good one. It's before that it's with Rachel Osborne. And she talked about why there are not enough Netflix and why we're not on Netflix. And the reality is as a community, don't like to spend money or they spend money, but not on certain things. And so in that episode, she did a really great example of if a, If a show is coming to Netflix and it's targeting a Caribbean audience or Caribbean focus, if they're not getting the numbers that they expect to see after we're on the socials going rah, 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 and we're not showing up, then it's not bankable. So that's the business aspect. So this is why I said, I understand the business element, but we're not always showing up the way we we should show up to support the creators who are putting out the content that's there. Um, you know, you've noticed what I've noticed is that there are a lot of creators who are of Caribbean heritage, whether they're in the U S or the UK, and they are allowed the privilege or they really do a project that's Caribbean focus after they've established themselves as big actors and directors or producers or et cetera. So we have the small acts. He did that after he established himself. The director did. There, there's a, there was a film last year, Boxing Day. He's a, the, the director is from, I guess, St. Vincent, you know? So it's like, you have to establish yourself. So then you can leverage your connection or your reputation to do these love projects that are an, a love letter to your culture and your community. Whereas I'm like right out the gate, I'm doing this for my culture. I'm doing this for my community. And it's a little harder because they're like, who is this person? Um, so it's supporting our projects and, um, that support looks different, um, to different people and different platforms. And, um, until, I mean, I, I, we could go on and on about it, it's really supporting the, the creators, their platforms, not just in numbers, but monetarily every other community, they have a membership. Base, they have ways to support their Patreons, whatever. And it's showing up in that way.
1: And do you think this will ever change? Or what do you think is needed from persons like myself and other members of your community to help inspire others to think differently about how we invest and support each other?
0: I think that's a good question. And that answer is just going to look different. Um, Because you have to understand that people invest in what they like and what their interests are. And um, there's this thing about virability, right? Everything is going viral. Are you sharing your favorite show to your friends and your family? You know, that's the number one way that people hear about podcasts. That's the number one way people hear about anything. It's word of mouth. And so... How are you sharing this? How are you spreading like, Hey, here's this thing, um, that you should check out and you should listen to because in the, in the noise of everything else, it's very hard to find small, um, content creators who aren't as viral, but are creating good content. So it's, it's the responsibility or how do we share content and share that in a way that drives people, you know, leverage your networks. One of the biggest things that I've learned is just, you know, just diversifying my network. And I thought I had a diverse network and I realized it's clearly not as diverse as I, I, when I mean diverse, I'm not just talking in terms of, race or ethnicity. I'm just talking rate diverse in terms of age, gender, you know, everything just diverse all across the board, because that's, what's important. You know, I have colleagues who know other people of Caribbean heritage and they could just say, Hey, I know my coworker or someone, they're Caribbean. You should listen to this. So it's, it's, it's that thing of sharing the content. And I'm, I'm grateful that people did that even when they didn't really understand what a podcast was when I first started. So, um, It's tougher as we move into an age where everyone is now a content creator and everyone is kind of vying for the same limited attention.
1: Okay. And do you find that, like, for instance, I don't remember the exact statistic, but there's actually more persons of Jamaican descent who live outside of Jamaica than living in Jamaica. In your experience thus far, do you find that The impact of migration also kind of helps to separate us from firmly identifying and investing in our culture as much because we're like starting new lives outside of the island where we migrated from?
0: No, no. As a matter of fact, immigration is what, um, you know, the migration is really what pollinates our culture, right? Right. You know your coworker just don't like curry goat or curry chicken. You know, you know when they first came here, grandma and grand grand aunts or whatever, they bring the curry chicken and curry goat to work, and the coworker was like, "What is that smell?" Right. So as migration pollinates the Caribbean, the Jamaican culture, where everyone now is like Yaman. In the, I mean, of course, I'm saying it authentically, but you know what I mean. Yes. So what what happens is migration tends to be depending on where you migrate to. If you're migrating to the New York City tri-state area, that's a very different immigration experience than migrating to, you know, the Midwest or the West Coast. And sometimes, depending on where you move to, you just want to fit in and survive as opposed to, rah, stand out, you know, and a lot of the conversations we have are like meeting people where they are in those experiences because they're real experiences, you know? Um, That accent thing is the accent story is really one of the first reasons why I created the podcast. Like, you know, being told that you sound different or why you pronounce a certain word, a certain way, or just really feeling like the oddball out for some people, they have no problem being that. For other people, it's, it's hard to do that and settle into a new country and culture. So you make a choice. And, and also I think going back referencing other episodes, cause this is what the podcast does. Um, Marlon Hill came on the podcast and he talked about how there's like having a community or some kind of organization that help people settle in because the adjustment from moving from Jamaica to the U S it's not easy. You have a climate adjustment first and foremost, as we're about to experience a bomb cyclone, right? (laughs) You know, you have a climate adjustment school. There's so many things and I I didn't realize until I was an adult that my mother did the craziest thing, right? My mother took, all of us came to America at the same time. So my mother was adjusting, we were adjusting and that's a hard thing. And I think what what I do when I do the podcast is always consider people where they are in their different stages of their immigration or their migration story.
1: Okay, so I love what you just said about meeting people where they are do you find, cause I know you've done an episode about this as well. Like in terms of like Caribbean nationals getting their citizenship. Like, cause usually I, like if for instance, in my family, I know my mom let hers expire cause she thought that she couldn't keep her Jamaican citizen um, passport and keep and be a U.S. citizen at the same time. And I know there is like a small community of persons like myself who want to live in both places and not necessarily stay in the U.S., but also want to have connections back home by actually being home. Do you find that as we continue to go on, that that becomes more challenging for persons who want to do that, who or who want to be connected to home by actually be going migrating back home versus staying within the diaspora? Like, what are your thoughts on that based on the guests that you interviewed? And I mean, someone like you, like you mentioned in the top, in the beginning that you've actually now lived in the U.S. longer than you actually lived in Jamaica. So what are your thoughts on persons who want to migrate home and how that influences the affects or influ- impacts the culture?
0: All right. So a couple ways to think about that, right? So there's always been people who are like, all right, especially... In the New York City area, Caribbean Americans, they're they're a good 50% of the hospital um, worker population. And most of them are working and saving money to build up their house back home and to go back home to live. The kids of those people came up maybe experiencing that Oh, mommy take and send all her money back home and the tea far money and the host and bill. And so in their mind, they're like, oh, I don't have no parts of this, right? But then there's another generation is coming behind that and saying, I don't know if I want to do this, right? So you have again meeting people where they are in their experience or relation to whichever Caribbean country's home country, that I want something different. Okay. America is going through some things. Maybe let me go back to the home country and see what that's like. And every one of those experiences are valid, right? The The child who saw their parents work overtime, worked very hard and saved that money to build the house back home only to be ripped off. That's a very valid experience to to acknowledge, right? And if they want no parts of that. The, so So you have those, right? So- each generation is having a very different experience whether it's their experience living in the US amid racial and um political tensions and then there's the other thing of education right so yes the US and i may need to do a disclaimer but whether they recognize dual citizenship is one thing it doesn't mean that you renounced your Jamaican citizenship because born in Jamaica, always a Jamaican. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? And your kids can be Jamaican, but again, it goes back to the knowledge and the information. Everyone is sharing funny videos. Some of these videos are great, but the critical information such as you can get your US, your your Jamaican passport and get it renewed and go to the consulate, you know, to, to renew it, that information isn't circulating and it's widely available. We know it, but not everyone knows it. And then, and then there's the issue of it go take too long. I have to go up there. So again, it's education and it's educating people about what the process is and, and managing their expectation. And then we have cost, and everyone is going to have to deal with the cost. But the first thing is acknowledging people's experience with What relationship they're having with the home country and what experience they're having with the adopted country that's making them reevaluate the relationship with the home country. And then there's the process. What's the process? You know, everyone has had varying exam or, or experiences of doing business back home and what that looks like. So there just needs to be knowledge and education and a lot of times, I try to give that, so that's why I did that episode. It's like, here's an option, um, and try it out and see if it works for you. It takes long, but it's available.
1: Yeah. So I'm one of the ones I found out by accident. I didn't even realize. And my when I told my mom that I could apply for and apply for, she was like, "You can." And I've had family members like, "Oh no, you can't do that." And She was like, "Kimoy's doing it." And then I showed them the books. and I'm like, "Look, I did it." So I definitely see what you're saying in terms of education because I like it was a I forgot what I was searching for and I found out by accident. I was like, oh, let me just try and see if I could do this and see where um it would take me. The next question I wanted to ask was, and this is, has been my experience in the last I want to say since 2015, but 2018 I became very that's when I became a Jamaican citizen in 2018. So I became very intentional about seeking out persons like yourself and figuring out how can I inspire others to support Caribbean owned platforms like yours businesses using Caribbean made products mm-hmm. on a daily basis like that's my ultimate goal that I that's why I want persons to understand like how important even if you migrated how important it is to support platforms like your like yours And even just using products, what you eat, how you dress, everything like every day I'm using and consuming something made by a Caribbean person. Mm. But one of the challenges I also find, and I think that's something that you're addressing with your platform, because even though you're Jamaican, you don't only focus on Jamaica, you interview persons from hate, like all over the, the Caribbean. What do you think is still needed? To connect us because even like if you come to like a New York or Florida, and we engage with people who are from Grenada, Guyana, Trinidad and Tobago, all these different countries. But then we still, even though we have a lot in common and we have a lot of differences, we still don't really know about each other as much as we should. So that's one of the things that I love about your platform. So what do you think more needs to be done or maybe something that you're working on to continue to have people kind of like connect and learn more about our cultures and learning how we're similar, how we're different and just having that affinity, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Choosing, you know, I certainly could have said, yeah, the Jamaican, whatever. Right. But I didn't. That was intentional because of my experience. Before I moved to New York, I had no experience with no other Caribbean person other than family members who went to Grand Cayman and come back or went to Bahamas, right? There's no experience with another person from another Caribbean culture. Most of my friends who I went to school with in Jamaica, their first experience with someone other than a Jamaican would be when they went to UAE. And so my first experience with other people of Caribbean cultures when I moved to Brooklyn. And I learned so much. So it was just such an amazing experience, right? How, you know, my friends who are Grenadian or, you know, Trini or, you know, St. Croix, like all of that richness. And you learn so much. And that's how you know how we are similar, right? But as humans, we naturally. We we congregate and we herd into our familial groups and there's nothing wrong with that. And I talked about this in another episode about identity within each of us where there's a so many intersections, right? So I'm Black, I'm a woman, I'm an immigrant, I'm Jamaican, I live in Brooklyn, but I'm Caribbean. They're all, the, all of those identities belong to me and not because I say Caribbean makes me less Jamaican. And if I say Jamaican, it doesn't mean that I'm less Caribbean. It depends on who I'm talking to, right? And so I think just embracing that if I say Caribbean, it doesn't mean that I'm, it's less of acknowledging that I'm from St. Vincent or from wherever. And I think leaning into, you know, there's more to learn about us and, when we we do come together it's just so much more fun right it's it's fun think look at carnival um it's just that it's just natural for people to want to create content that they are more familiar with and sometimes it is it's vulnerable to say oh i didn't know that you know in a conversation and we've done that on the podcast like oh i didn't realize that and that's what strictly facts does
1: yeah a- i was going to mention that cuz i was like having her podcast with alex I never heard about any of these things and it's so important.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's being okay saying that I didn't know this, right? Or I've learned a limited amount of Caribbean history when I went, you know, like you learn some Caribbean history when you are growing up in the Caribbean. But if you were born here, you know none of that. And so it's learning all of that and being okay and saying, huh, I didn't realize this. Um, wow, this, this is really why there's crop over. Like I, okay, I got you. So it's been okay knowing that I know, I don't know a lot of stuff. And the more we come together, we can teach each other and then collectively teach a larger audience about us and what we are really about. And I think that's the first step is just collaborating. And sometimes it's very hard to see who we want to collaborate with. And then we have to deal with our own internal family issues. Oh, I don't like this one, that one. And we'll get over all of that, but it's just people stuff.
1: And do you think in terms of collaboration, for instance, with CARICOM, for instance, Mm -hmm. right? And I know that's a big thing, Mm -hmm. but CARICOM is essentially there to foster collaboration among the members in the Caribbean. Do you find that how do you, how do you think that can be more successful? Because you're doing it on your platform by building this community of persons who are from these different nations, but what do you think is going to take for uh, cuz we only going to be kind of like kind of like what you mentioned previously about the business of promoting Caribbean culture and promoting platforms like yourself. Like there has to be a business aspect to it. It's like, yes, we want to promote the culture. Yes, we want to keep the culture alive. Yes, we want to spread this information to the people, but it takes investment to do that. So if organizations like a CARICOM is struggling I think that's also a sign to trickle down that that what it might be for like platforms like yours to also grow as well. So what are your thoughts on that as a community? Because Caricom, there's so much money flowing into the Caribbean, but at the same time, it's flowing out because a lot of the things that's owned in the Caribbean is not Caribbean owned.
0: So you bring up a good question or a good topic, I should say, and I've been asked to address it. And it's just like, oh my God, this is a lot, right? So I think the first thing is, and we're not gonna address it here, but again, if someone can, what really is CARICOM? What was it imagined to be? What is it now? And I think having that understanding is gonna be critical. The other thing to understand is that CARICOM is really addressing the region, right? And what's happening in the region. And each country that is part of that organization has individual interests with their own diaspora. So you have the Jamaican diaspora, the Trinidad, the Guyanese, everybody. And so because of that, the focus is not on a global Caribbean diaspora, It's on each individual country's diaspora and their relationship or lack thereof with that. So it's going to be very hard because each country has a very different interest that they're trying to facilitate with their diaspora. And that's where the disconnect I feel happens, right? Because again, it's it's just because they're just different agendas. Nothing is wrong with that. It's just different, right? And then it gets complicated because it's, it's just so tunnel focused in a way. Right. So my nieces and nephew, my niece and nephew have Jamaican parentage, my brother's kids, they have Guyanese heritage. What happens to those kids who have parents Mm -hmm. of different Caribbean countries. Right. And so they, you know, not having that understanding of what, what does, uh, a Caribbean diaspora council, or whatever it looks like—I don't know—that that's beyond me and my pay grade. But that's kind of what you are leaning towards, because as a region, we're stronger, and we know this by living in the diaspora. You know, we are a very powerful voting block. You know, all these different things, and so. Acknowledging that power in numbers, you know, when politicians come around, they're not going to the Jamaicans, they're going to the Caribbean so-and-so. Yeah. You know? So I don't know how I don't want to get into politics. Yes, That's yes, yes. yes no, no. <laughs> you know, but that is a missed opportunity every single time. Before I even started the podcast, even Caribbean bloggers have challenges, I've heard working with tourist boards from whatever home country, they're passed over in favor of other non-Caribbean because they're, you know, and, and so it's always like, we have value. Why you think they won't come to so-and-so because we show off about it. We, you know, everybody now is going to Blue Hole. How you think Blue Hole exists? You know, how you think all these places exist? And I think a lot that oversight, and that's why it becomes a very tricky conversation because you love the country, you love the culture. And sometimes you get, like with any family, exasperated by, you know, the lack of acknowledgement or appreciation for what we're doing in the culture. And so, yeah, you know, it's, it's challenging. And I, I just think that, again, it comes back to more education and there has to be an education campaign. Like, like you said, like I've been asked that question, what is CARICOM? What is, what is the purpose of it? What does it do? And, and a lot of people don't understand it. So if you want people to engage from a civic level, you got to educate people, explain to them, what is the value of this? Why is it important? And I can only do that a little bit at the time yeah. with as much bandwidth as Yes, I can. yes,
1: yes. Yeah, it got me thinking because I'm like, if investing and making celebrating Caribbean-ness as, I know that's not a word, but celebrating Caribbean-ness as a business wouldn't we need a stronger entity? It might, it may not be Caricom, but something where we all are connected in some way that spurs investment into our communities. But like, but not just seeking outside investment, but a way for us to invest.
0: And I think what's important, the important distinction is that Caricom is addressing again, the community, but it's more focused on the region. You're speaking of what's happening to us here in the diaspora, and that's a very different entity. I know there are a lot of Caribbean countries who diaspora isn't as, you know, organized like the Jamaicans are, you know, with their diaspora movements, or maybe the Guyanese are. I, I don't know, but mm-hmm. it 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 first begins with having an organized diaspora or an engagement with the diaspora. And then, but it's, I think it's two separate things because our needs in the diaspora and our interests are very different from those who live in the region. And it's going to be, it's, it's hard. Again, there are many attempts. I see emails about some diaspora things happening, but just, okay. You know, so it, it really comes back to, you know, Understanding there they're two separate things and what is the interest. And it's just gonna be hard because each country is trying to um
1: they have their own agenda, like their, their
0: own people. agendas. And and it's not a bad thing, it's just it's just different. And and it's hard to to kind of come together on those things.
1: Cause I think they are separate, mm-hmm. but I think if we had a stronger foundation in the region, maybe the connecting in the diaspora. Would be mm-hmm. a little bit easier. I don't know yeah. if that makes any sense. So I kind of connect well, what's going on at home, and then that might trickle down into what is happening once we move. So in terms of uh investment, your platform, for instance, I know this is very specific to Jamaica, but once we once Caribbean nationals migrate, because we do invest so much in a region, because when I'm I'm having a little bit of a brain fog, but there's a significant portion of Jamaica's GDP that comes from the diaspora. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And they monitor it because it's a lot of money and most of the- Billions, billions. I did the number. I actually have a video and I don't know why I'm slipping me on exact number, but we are investing back home Mm -hmm. And do you find, so we are sending a significant amount of money is running that economy in Jamaica Mm -hmm. and most of it is coming from the U S so as a member of the diaspora, do you find that, do you feel that the diaspora gets the respect that they deserve based on the investment that we're doing back home?
0: Um, I can't speak for anybody else. Right. I just know that personally, sometimes I just feel like, and we've all heard it, right? The customer service, like you, you know, we buy the Caribbean products because we love them and we're not always market to, because there's an assumption or it's taken for granted that we are going to buy it. Right. And I think that's a missed opportunity because I'm going to buy it because I love it, but my kids may not have that same affinity. So you still need to market to me and not take my dollars for granted. And I think that's important, right? You still need to market to me because I'm in the diaspora. I have some disposable income and I could choose now between whether I want to go to this country or that country. And my kids have the same choice. So I think, you know, don't take for granted the diaspora don't take for granted that we're always going to come back and spend money, you know, because that's when we just like, you know, I forget this. We still should be, you know, we're not saying to worship, at least for me, I'm not saying to worship at my feet, but understand like, yo, I love this country. I love this region. And, you know, I, I choose to spend my money here, you know? So it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. Cause I've seen it. It's gotten a little better, I think, but I just feel like I'm not the one being marketed to, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I go to work in corporate America and they hear my accent, guess who they're asking for recommendations? Me. They're 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 like, I saw this ad. Should I go there? They're asking me. I'm the word of mouth. I'm the one that they're going to believe, not the ads. They're gonna ask me to confirm if the ads are true every single time. So, you know, just res- you know, there's there's value because we are pollinating. The culture. And so, you know, just put some respect on the
1: status. That was well said. <laughs> <laughs> that was well said. Yes, because that's definitely a challenge being in a diaspora. Like, do you still feel like, you know? And then it's kind of like the like what you mentioned earlier. Do you find and you meant you mentioned it earlier, but do you find the longer that you live in the US, the less of a Jamaican you're considered?
0: To be? Um, n- n- anybody can say that. Me, nor me, j- me know what my birth certificate says. <laughs> I don't care. As a matter of fact, I, I have this conversation all the time that, you know, when I first came to this country, my uncles, they had the worst accent. You know, I went to an all-girls school and you're supposed to talk all proper. And I was like, oh, my God, why he sounds so horrible. And when I first went back to Jamaica, my friends were, my cousin was like, Carrie, you sound worse than when you was living here. because we hold on to those things that we have that make us that that's part of our identity. And so we aren't less of a Jamaican. We are just Jamaican Americans and we ex- our experience and our relationship to the culture and the home country is just different than if we were living in Jamaica all the time, full time. So it's not a less than it is a different type of Jamaican, like, but we're still Jamaican. It's just, our experience is different and it's the same across the board, you know?
1: So to wrap up, what is the future of carry on friends, breadfruit media? What, what, what is in the, the, what's coming up in 2023? What should we be excited about in 2023 based on your offerings?
0: Um, I'm just looking forward to having more exciting topics and guests, you know, growing the merch, um, but i just feel like there's just more out there to discuss and dissect and and have fun around right because we don't always have serious conversations we have light conversations serious conversations and i'm looking forward to having those whether it's on carry on friends or it's on another podcast that comes under the red fruit media family and i'm looking to building and partnering and just i have a vision for so much and i'm just looking forward to beginning to tap into what I really all the things I really want to get to do. So I I know that's vague, but it's also like it's just so much I want to do. And so I'm open to that. Especially after this year. I just don't want to put specifics. It's just like I'm open and let the opportunities come where they can.
1: And how can persons continue to support you in twenty twenty three? Cause I know you mentioned sharing. You right. mentioned social media. You mentioned um investment so how how can we continue to support what you're doing and also you know share with continue to share with our friends?
0: I mean, listen, there's merch, you could share the merch. we do have a donate button on the website. you could donate <laughs> those are all the ways that you can donate and um support carry on friends breadfruit media, and any other creative you want to support the way that they're creating content and how, what that means in terms of getting more eyes on the content, more ears and, you know, supporting with dollars. That's really where it is.
1: Okay. Well, thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Kavoy. This <laughs> was so fun. Thank you for, those are some tough questions. At some point I was like, mm. but thank you so Sorry. much. For, <laughs> thank you so much for just doing this. I re I, According to my friend, Chris, I appreciate, love you for, um, cause we don't ate, you know, so I appreciate, love you for just being such an active and engaged member of the community. Thank you for just always supporting and everything that you're doing to support Caribbean and Jamaican culture. So thank you. And I'm excited. And, um, this is fun. Let's do it again.
1: Yes, we definitely should. Hey, I hope you enjoyed
0: part one of this two part series. You can find Kamoy on Instagram, Kamoy underscore K-A-Y-A-N, or you could find her on LinkedIn. And as always, you can find at Carry On Friends across all platforms. Be sure to tune in to part two of our conversation. Thank you for joining. So until next time, walk good. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every two weeks on Tuesday. And if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch or sign up for a newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com or find us on all social media platforms at Carry on Friends.